0: What if? What if the struggle isn't real? What if everything you've been told is impossible is actually deliciously feasible? What if you could work anywhere, travel, find your purpose, all while growing your wealth, not spending it? Welcome to the Struggle Isn't Real podcast. I'm Cody Sanchez-Baker, and, and my job here is to share how normal people have self-designed their lives, relationships, jobs, and bodies. The question to ask yourself is simply this, what if it was easy? Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Struggle Isn't Real, and today I have actually a lot of my longtime friends who went to college together, so she's already laughing at me. Only Uh, because there were a couple uh, (laughs) of glasses of wine. Exactly. It has been a couple of glasses of wine, but I learned from the best, aka Tim Ferriss, and he seems to have wine frequently on his show, and so I think this is totally acceptable.
1: Well, as we discussed, um, there are several antioxidants in the glass of wine, and... Good for the heart, good exactly. for the soul.
0: So basically, we're 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 having a health night tonight. I wouldn't have to agree exactly. So so you guys know who I am. I'm Cody Sanchez Baker, but you haven't met Christina Fabritz, and Christina is way too humble, uh, and so she might not tell you. But Christina is one of my most interesting friends, and you're going to hear about I was her. Like, that oh. a compliment. Yeah, in a really good way, because she. Um, did what people dream their whole lives about. She was a senior member of a corporate firm, an assistant vice president, doing very well, making lots of money. Uh, We actually ended up living in the same city of Dallas. She managed a team of how many? Dozens of people, hundreds of people,
1: well, it depends on the day, but anyway, between like eighty to hundred. Eighty to
0: hundred people. Nutrition, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, in a serious industry in the mortgage industry. And she was very successful and decided one day that she was going to quit her job, sell or store her stuff, and travel the world for a year. And where most of us think about it but don't actually do it, Christina did it. And then on top of that, Christina has decided to share the journey and make it easier for all of us traveling with her website, which you guys can go to at www.flybirds.com. We'll link it in the show notes. So let's start, and we'll get into all the jazz about Christina, but let's start with the real question, which is, talk to me about that moment, you and I have talked about this before, that you decided... This normal standard life, even though it's successful by most standards, is not what I want, and I want to go do something crazy like travel the world. What was the moment that you decided that?
1: Well, I think the interesting thing was I didn't
0: even know that I wanted to go travel the world.
1: I just knew that the world I was living in was not what it was cracked up to be. You know, you do the checks in the boxes. Obviously, we went to college together. We are naturally, (laughs) you know, um, perfectionists. You want to excel, double major, you know, heavily involved in our sorority and then climb a corporate ladder. And then eventually you get to the top of that ladder, or at least for me, did I even want to go past the point where I was because I just wasn't fulfilled anymore. And I was tired of filling a seat in a corporate environment that brought me nothing but, you know, maybe a large bank account. And the interesting thing is, I'm a very happy person, and I remember walking into the break room one day, and I would asked someone how they were doing, and that person had responded living the dream. And I that for whatever reason, like, people had said that, you know, that, that seemed to be, like, the general response with most, but for whatever reason, that day just really kind of hit me. And I remember looking over at those old stained coffee pots in the break room, and you know, with, like, the yellow hand, or orange handles, yeah, or like, yeah. and the black handles, and... I I felt like I literally just wanted to pick one up and throw one, and I was like, this is a very, like, odd and, like, anger-filled moment for me, and I started taking a step back and just being like, is this really what my future is? Am I surrounded by people that are accepting daily misery as an acceptable way of life, and that's really not what I wanted to surround myself with, and uh, negativity is extremely consuming at some point, and... You know, for me, I felt like in my particular position, I wasn't an effective leader anymore um, within that company, and it just was best for me to, you know, part ways. And uh, kind of in a serendipitous kind of way, me and my girlfriends were all drinking one night. Imagine that. (laughs) Well, it might have (laughs) been Wednesday, and um, one of my girlfriends was actually going to be in uh, Southeast Asia, and she was like, "Oh, you guys should come." As most people, you know, when you're drinking, say, "Everyone should come." I'm like, "All right." Let's freaking do this. (laughs) So uh, everything kind of panned out um, in a weird, kind of perfect way. And um, I put in my two weeks. And then I set sail, or flights I should say, uh, one way to get to Bali.
0: Wow. And so what was the timeline between that, I almost am going to throw this coffee pot against the (laughs) wall and have a total office space moment (laughs) with the stapler, to okay, I'm going to actually quit, and I'm going to do this?
1: I think it was probably one of those moments where, I think that was probably like a month buildup, but realistically, in my mind, I had been unhappy for a while and just really wasn't coming to terms with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all live such a fast-paced life that it's really hard to kind of take a step back and identify the like, the feelings and thoughts that we're really having, because, you know, before I knew it, you know, the day was over, it was eight or nine o'clock at night, I'm still at work, and I hadn't even, like, wrapped my mind around, like, anything within my personal life that was going on, because I was so, I I was still, you know, treading, barely treading water on, like, you know, what was going on with, you know, work life. And you kind of lose yourself in it. A hundred percent, you know, I wasn't talking to friends, family, um... I just was really losing a sense of myself, and I didn't really like who I was becoming. Yeah, and you know, so to really, I guess, identify a time frame, you know, if I had to in my mind, maybe a month, but but it was the, a
0: buildup of
1: months or maybe
0: even years prior.
1: Yeah, and I felt I almost felt like at one point it's that was just almost like an an acceptable way to feel, like it was just it became the norm. So it's really hard to kind of remove yourself from that and say like, well, wait a second, like this is not yeah, I know what I want to do. But so I'm
0: wait, saying. when you when you decided this, because I remember we were talking when you you and I were still at the level where we were grinding corporate lies, um, and we were talking about the benefits therein and some of the difficulties. Um, And I remember you kind of pinged some of this past me and myself being kind of crazy. I was like, absolutely, let's do it tomorrow. But I imagine that most people's responses were like, what are you thinking? And so one, (laughs) is that what most people thought? And two, how did you not let other people sway you on this journey?
1: Well, one, I'm my own biggest critic, so I questioned my sanity (laughs) at this point. I was like, fuck it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I really had to look at the crossroads, and it was like the path of, you know, the path that I was on, in my mind, I I knew where it was leading, and it wasn't anywhere that I thought would lead to happiness. It led to a larger bank account, but if I'm in in a stadium asylum, what kind of, (laughs) (laughs) what good is that money going to do for me? Uh, Um, You know, we... We work ourselves to death in hopes of building, you know, assets and 401ks, bank accounts, all this stuff. And I'm like, well, if I'm not utilizing any of it, it's not contributing to my happiness, why am I really doing it? So, you know, I, I always will confine others and ask their opinion because, well, with those that know and love me and want the best for me. So, you know, I took those opinions... Um, to heart some people were very supportive some kind of thought that that was a little bit (laughs) crazy and I should probably just like let this phase pass but ultimately I mean I know myself and I can't let the opinions of others you know form or dictate what I do with my life so I much rather would have taken or I have taken the path where I've, I've I like the unknown and it's Scary, but I'd rather go that path than know that the other one is going to lead to a dead end road of me probably, you know, throwing coffee pots at people, <laughs> <So,
0: laughs> which is not not a good. Right? Thing. So you know, lead me to yeah. Fired? So what? And okay. Put down. No, which is not good. No, no, no. no cute blondes in jail. Right. I don't think. Um, so then you you made this decision. You decided you're going to go. Um, two questions. First. What were the steps that you took that were actionable and like what would somebody else need to do if they're thinking these same things? What advice do you give? I know you get asked all the time now, like, hey, I hate my job. I hate my life. I want to do what you're doing. What's the advice you give and what's the process to, to do yeah. it?
1: And I think, I mean, that's a good question because I think a lot of people are like, how do you just like up and quit your job? Like everyone's do it. No one does not I'm like, it's not an over, you know, night decision. Um, I think I told you that the time I spent in the war industry, um, you know, it's been 11 years. Um, I started when I was very young. So, the steps that I took within that to, you know, climb the corporate ladder, I saved a lot of money. So, I knew that that cushion was available to me. So, I acted responsibly. It wasn't just, you know, a, a fleeting moment where I'm like, oh, screw this. I'm going to quit my job. So, it was like, My mind, I think, when I knew I didn't want to be there anymore, I prepared myself. I took a look at my finances. I made sure that that cushion was available. Um, Obviously, in the event, you know, things happen, I'm not going to be generating income. I have to make sure that I'm, you know, I have enough to support myself. So I think the important thing to point out is that, you know, I had, you know, I had three jobs in college. Um, I've always busted my ass. I've always saved money. Um. You know, I've been very responsible in that respect. So those were like the necessary evils, if you will, of being a workaholic that allowed me, you know, when I got to my tipping point to be able to, you know, release and go and do my own thing.
0: But you've always been pretty smart about, you know, they say that people spend to what they make, right? And so it becomes relative. You make more money, but then you spend more money and we get caught in sort of this, consumer-based cycle that is capitalism or the U.S. or the American dream or whatever you want to call it. And so you end up, as you make more money, not saving more but spending more. And for you, I mean, you and I, you know, we both like to get our hair done. Like, you know, we're going to wear nice clothes. But um, you've never really spent a crazy amount. Was that a conscious decision? Or is there a way you keep yourself in check
1: there? The funny thing, I've always... My money's always been applied to travel. So I was never really allotted enough vacation time to do the traveling that I'm doing now. But extravagant trips, you know, whether it be off to, like, Vegas or, you know, I'm a I'm a huge proponent of Yacht Week. <laughs> so um, I would spend, you know, whatever money I need to spend on an experience versus, you know, tangible items. So... For me, that's always just been where my money wants, like where I've always put my money.
0: Yeah, Um, and that makes you the happiest too, I think, right? Right. And and more interesting of a human. You know, I always say that to people who want to come work for my business or that want to go and you know, you know, make themselves a better person and be the best person that they can be is go and and become interesting. If right now all that you are is grinding away. At a nine to five, but it's become a six to nine. Um, that's not that interesting. And so I think these days employers want multifaceted, multidimensional humans who have interesting stories.
1: Yeah, and to that point actually I just had, I think I told totally you a little reunion with my old boss, um, who's always been, you know, a mentor and friend to me, and her and I were, you know, drinking. I think we were on our second bottle of champagne <laughs> and we were discussing in the good old days and how uh, nowadays employers look for like multifaceted, you know, employees who bring an out of the box type thinking to the table because it's very easy now to do the checks in the boxes on qualifications and things that, you know, I guess an employer might want, but ultimately I think if you're a wise employer, you're going to expand past that and look at individuals that are going to challenge the norm and really get you to embark on, you know, a new way of thinking. Yeah. And have some diverse
0: way of thinking. Correct.
1: Right. Um, Yeah. So anyways, when her and I were talking, it was kind of about the new direction of where even like the millennials are going and how... We are challenging the norms and how it, and employees like us are, you know, the ones that they're actually starting to look for. And she actually had mentioned, she's like, as soon as you won your first Yacht Week, she's
0: like, I always knew you were going to be a flight risk. <laughs> a flight <laughs> risk. <huh? Yeah. laughs> because, so talk to us about yeah. Yacht Week for people who don't know what that is. So Yacht
1: Week was and will forever be my favorite travel memory in terms of group travel and really opening my eyes up for the first time to a different type of world and individuals and um, the friends that I've made on this trip have just been incredible. But Yacht Week is basically, it's an adult spring break, you know. <laughs> people think of a yacht being like an extravagant, you know, affair, which it's, it's not. It's, you know, we had, I think, eight people on our boat. We had a skipper. We were sailing, um, our first trip was to Greece and it was with a group that I um had just really met. I knew one person, Stephanie, who's the one that invited me, and it was such a liberating experience to embark on a journey with people that I didn't know um in a country, a beautiful country, Greece. Um, I'd never been over in Europe before, uh, just to meet people who had such a different perspective on life and the it was I guess the first time I'd been exposed to a you know actually living a life for a living instead of you know working for a living and I was like wow this is actually it's refreshing and the way I felt when I was there was so free and then I came back and I was incredibly depressed <laughs> so I knew kind of in that moment also that this is there's got to be more to life than, than this and than where we're There's at. There's got to at least be a happy medium.
0: So can anybody go on Yacht Week?
1: Yes, anyone can go on Yacht Week. This is turning into a Yacht Week. Yeah, free uh, promotion, free. Yacht Week. Right. You're
0: welcome. I better get a free <laughs> trip in here. Yeah, exactly. But so so to me it sounds like, okay, fancy, you're able to yacht around on a boat. So, But are these people just like you and me?
1: Everyone is—it's like-minded individuals who enjoy traveling. Fill that glass
0: up, absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, just like-minded individuals who enjoy traveling, getting to know other people. Um, it, it's really kind of a, a no judgment, free spirited, free for all. It, it's partying, but it's so much more than that because you actually do develop really great friendships. And I still talk to you know majority of the people that I befriended that was almost two years ago.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, you know what's interesting is, so I've only done, let's say six or seven of these thus far, these podcasts, that is, Um, but in my conversations throughout life with anyone that I find interesting, which I think is maybe one of my favorite characteristics is curious and interesting, I would take that over nice any day, Um, is that they are curious and open to learn. And they surround themselves with other curious and open to learn individuals. And I go back to the Jim Rohn quote a million times, which is you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And I really think that if you surround yourself with humans that push the limits and that test norms and that question things, that turns you into a, a more interesting human
1: and happier, and I guess if you surround yourself the right toe fuel, but I mean, I would play that I had never been exposed to individuals that thrived so much on life and happiness and were very accepting of other people, and I really learned a lot about myself just in terms of, like, self-awareness and pushing myself out of my comfort zone and putting myself in a foreign environment with foreign individuals and Yeah, it's an incredible growing experience that I, it's invaluable. But that was for me, like, once I got a taste of that, it was like, I was like, I'm not even, like, scraping the surface on my potential here because now I just want to keep going like full force and meeting more people like this and seeing more beautiful places and, you know, whatever type of challenge I can throw my way because self-awareness has been like the biggest I mean blessing in my life because you just to not know how you're perceived in other cultures and to not know you know certain ways and things about yourself that maybe you want to improve or things that you may actually end up liking that you didn't know were good you know were qualities that were there um it's a really like incredible learning experience just
0: about yourself and then about other cultures and people absolutely so you okay so to go back to your um First trip, you you book a one way flight to, to Bali. Bali, and that in itself is amazing. I've always wanted to do that. So you book <laughs> a one yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm sure you book a one way flight and talk to us about this this year. So you so land in Bali.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I did not know where the year was going to take me. Like, I had no clue. It was just. One way ticket. Me and my girlfriend. Um, we went. We went there. Um, met up with our guy friend. Luckily, he uh, had his. He was working in Indonesia at that time, so his company actually was gracious enough to put us in the W. So I wasn't roughing it <laughs> at first. So my beginning stages started off quite different than how it ended. Um, but getting exposure to like the Indonesian culture in Bali was so beautiful I mean again it was scary but it was only scary because you just didn't know what you were getting yourself into so streets are crazy and um people obviously sound different look different and it seems like there's a lot of hustle and bustle but then when you're actually in the mix of things it's 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 so much fun and you know I of course didn't have my ticket home my other friends had left at that point and just by chance I had another friend who was like hey well I'm going to come out and, you know, I'll meet you in Bali as well. So then her and I met up in Bali and then we embarked to Thailand.
0: So is the moral of the story, you take the first step and then somehow if you're, if you're (laughs) if you're willing to sort of take this first action, then like sort of magic happens. Things
1: happen. I think I was just willing, you know, you always know, like I was the social chair of our sorority, like. Planning has always been in my nature and um, I'm very used to be very by the books but I'm kind of like an all or nothing and to allow myself to just kind of go with the flow and you know book the next ticket when it comes and take the next opportunity when it comes for me I just that's what it was about was not thinking too much into the future but just living in the present And, you know, taking advantage of, like, these beautiful moments that I knew would, you know, maybe not happen again. And I can't say anything else other than the fact that it was just amazing to kind of relinquish control and just kind of live truly in the present instead of, you know, worrying about past and future
0: events. Which is what we always worry about. Right. So you started your website which is flybirds. Yes. Basically probably because there are a bunch of people like me that were like how do you do this and what do you do and where's the way to sort of be this man or woman traveling around the world doing what you want to do that's not, you know, Kim Kardashian with a trust fund, right? <laughs> right. So so talk to me about flybirds and and what is it and what is this project and what are you trying to accomplish with it?
1: So, Flybirds for me, I guess I had this epiphany, or, like I come to Jesus, I don't know what you would call it, but the journey and people that I had met along the way um, was truly inspiring and had changed me in ways that I had never even believed or thought to be possible. And people had taken so much interest in my experiences, but I had taken so much interest in other people's experiences. and. I started identifying trends and, I guess, a movement in which the travel industry is transitioning and people are trying to be, uh, you know, I guess more geared towards, you know, wellness travel or tourism and really trying to get off the beaten track. And a lot of things right now are based off of word of mouth, and information right now is very fragmented. So you have travelers who may not know the right resources to go to they may be uneducated about it and not to any fault of their own or they may be fearful or you know any other x y and z issues that they may have that are preventing them from traveling but you know blogs are helpful to a certain extent but it's only a one-sided you know opinion or information based off of that individual's um you know experiences and i wanted to be able to bring together a community of travelers that could share all of their experiences, um, information, you know, tidbits, whatever, into a centralized area that would help because, you know, my experience may not be beneficial to you and, you know, I'm a solo traveler, but there may be a mom who's traveling or couples who are traveling or group traveling, so many different types of travelers, um, that I thought it was important to bring everyone together to start, identifying what types of travel would be, you know, best fit for your needs and having it housed in like one centralized area.
0: And so, essentially, so it's it's called Flybirds and the the tagline is sort of join the migration, yes. right? Which I love. Um and and so on the site you go and you essentially get tips on health and fitness and I don't know, you know, economics of travel and the best spots. So it's sort of like what? Like, if you could put three sites together and create yeah. flybirds, what is it?
1: <laughs> so I think I told you if, I, if Cosmo, BuzzFeed, and TripAdvisor would have a threesome, <laughs> that's why <fly laughs> the birds. offspring would be flybirds. You know, it's Cosmo brings together a lifestyle fitness magazine for women on sex. Fashion, fitness, whatever. Whatever is applicable to a woman's life is in Cosmo. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, BuzzFeed is trending using, you know, news around the world. And then TripAdvisor's um, feedback based off of other travelers' experiences. So, in a perfect role for me, if I could have all of that housed in one area. That's for Correct. Just
0: applicable to travelers. Yeah. So, who is the person that comes flybirds like who is she
1: flybirds is really any woman traveler so that's kind of what i love about it, is because a lot of um demographics and age brackets are placed on certain types of magazines and websites but i have met women who are you know as young as honestly um Five, the cutest little girl named Ziggy with her and her mom traveling in Thailand um, on a ferry to women who are 62 and backpacking on their own after, you know, the loss of a husband. So, wow. I really, for me, felt like there's a learning opportunity from all age brackets and types of women. And I wanted to be able to tie all of that in because I think that they're all beautiful. And even if that's not necessarily the route you would go, there's still, like, a beautiful story and something to learn from everyone's experiences. So, for me, it's any woman who has a wanderlust, you know, spirit, or even on a business, you know, side of things. Because, you know, a lot of women travel right now for business. Mm -hmm. And you're always looking for ways to enhance that experience, make it better, and not feel like you're you know, on the constant grind on the road, like there should be ways to, you know, make that better too, it doesn't just have to be for like a vacation, but if that's truly part of your lifestyle,
0: then, you know, let's bring some
1: stories and ideas to the table for that, so.
0: Don't I know it? Well, I mean, I think also as a woman traveler, I mean, I travel pretty much every week for business. And one Earth of the tough hour. I know I actually leave at 6:30 30 for morning, yeah, basically <laughs> I'll be your biggest your biggest trafficker um, I uh, I think the beautiful part and when you told me what you were gonna do with flybirds what I love about it the most I think is that you were talking about other women who didn't think I was totally nuts right because I think even in this day and age, and we're sitting in my house right now, and so I, I do have a house, you know, which is
1: yeah. She makes me feel
0: very. <laughs> You're well, adulting I'm very adulting hard. A yeah, but but I. You know, inside, I mm-hmm. feel like I have this little bit of a gypsy wanderlust. And mm-hmm. and often, I think, individuals see that. On one hand, they think it's fascinating. And then on the other hand, they're like, when are you going to have children and settle the hell down and you can't do this forever? And my response is always kind of like, watch me. Um, but it's hard to find this community of other humans, men or women, who think that perpetual exploration and continual travel is not for a phase, let's say post-college or one-year sort of sabbatical, mm-hmm. but a type of of lifestyle and sort of like mandatory for the type of humans that we are.
1: I guess to be honest, I mean, that's an interesting point, but I, I guess, I'm just going to say, I don't really think about it like that because... That's not the route I'm going with my life, and I don't think it's fair for anyone to bracket me, nor would I bracket them, because I think that directions change all the time. People decide that they want to be married or maybe have a white picket fence, and then they've identified that that may not be the route that they wanted to go. And like myself, I decided, you know, right before I was 30 that I didn't want to be a career-obsessed businesswoman anymore, and I've taken a completely different direction, so... Routes change, and people change, and it's kind of ridiculous to assume that you're always going to fit in one type of a box for the rest of your life. So I don't, I, I don't really think at this point or care what other people think about what box I'm in because it doesn't matter. I love it. As long as I'm happy. So,
0: Well, we um, talked about that before we got going on the podcast a little bit. Because you said something which I thought was interesting, which is like, I don't care what people think, which I found myself saying before. And, and then you kind of reclassified that. And you said, I do care what people think if I sort of respect that person, etc. But not about the stuff that doesn't matter. So yeah. one, how did you get that perspective? Because I think women in particular, but everyone, struggle with the vulnerability and sort of the um lack of of concern about what other people think we get a little bit worried about people that are around us and their opinions. so what's your method for dealing with that
1: well I, thought, I think naturally you know society kind of makes us a little bit we're hesitant or to be ourselves full force because you're putting yourself up for scrutiny and that vulnerability is, it can be scary. And you're nervous what people are going to say or think about you. And, you know, when I had backtracked on that comment where I'm like, I don't care what people think. You know, like, I don't give a fuck. But I really do. And it was just like that sounds so bad of me to say. It was like I stopped caring about the negative. So if I'm only embracing a positive aspect of my life, I'm not harming myself in a physical or mental nature. Like I am pursuing a life of happiness. Um, I'm trying to find purpose. I'm generally, you know, trying to achieve a better life for myself. Um, For anyone to step in and have a negative opinion about that, for me, shows that that person is, I'm not going to care about their opinions because for them to object to, you know, positive actions, for me, shows that, you know, they're clearly not having my best interests at heart. So why would I consume myself with those thoughts? I love it. So it's really just about, you know, my friends, my family, the people that love me, people that are in pursuit of a better life. I think that those are the people that you need to surround yourself with and kind of, you know, cut the shit and the negativity because people are always going to have something to say. Just pick and choose what you're listening to. Yeah, you're just going to hate, huh?
0: Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you have told me some pretty crazy stories about traveling overall over the years. Um, what is one? I know. If I I know I, no, no. <laughs> I was gonna. <laughs> I was gonna let you pick, okay. my friend. So, what would be? What is one of your favorite stories to share, or one of the ones that is most vivid in your mind? Oi, that's a hard one. Uh huh. We're going deep. Ooh.
1: Okay, so I'll, I'll give you one of the most surreal moments, um, only because it never, never... Like, maybe I could, in my wildest dreams, imagine going to, like, Thailand or, you know, Bali, because those just are more of, you know, the touristy types of places. But being in Africa um, on a 21-day safari, truly camping... Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> like posting up our own
0: For 21 and, days. Yeah,
1: so we actually... I, I believe it was probably three, four out of those days we actually um, got to stay in like a hostel type or guest house, um, Mm -hmm. you know, accommodation. But really it was, you know, it was a camping trip and it was, um, you know, by a Land Rover and it it folded out and we had like the stove or like the kitchen on the sides and it was called like a participation tour. So everyone had, um, you know, their own daily duties of washing dishes, cleaning up camp, everyone had to put up their own tents and all that stuff. But some of the more surreal moments that I had just I mean, besides being an African feeling like I was in a dream, was um we were in the Okavango Delta and we had we were going around on one of the Makoros and, you know, having the crocodiles like literally like on the side of our our, our
0: macoros. What is a for macoros? Sorry, of us it's, don't it's know. a canoe. It's okay. Canoe. Um, but is it a low canoe? So it's you a can... low canoe. Okay. Um, and then we
1: have uh, a guide on the back of the uh, macoros with one of the longer sticks, oh, sure. and that's what he's um, you know rowing us you know through the delta, and then uh, we actually set up camp offshore, and then the next day we had woken up and there was a lion kill. Um, right next to our camp and so we actually went on um, you know, a, a walking tour through the plains and it was probably the, one of the most surreal moments I've ever had in my life where the sun was rising zebras um, had actually started running across um, where we were walking followed by giraffes and then elephants and I was like this is not real life like I don't know where I am or how I ended up here. Cause you remember me in college? Like my hair was larger than life. Like I think my makeup was close
0: to a clown's makeup. Like, yeah, I and, I gotta tell you I had guys ultra
1: like pink pink heinous, <laughs> like blush on, and here I am just like just woke up. I just pissed in a hole that we had to cover up <laughs> like with a shovel. And, you, and know, you were in
0: cargo shorts, cargo too, shorts. which is really questionable.
1: And, and walking through this plain, the plains in Africa, and I'm like, I don't know how I got here. I'm not mad about it, but this
0: is quite <laughs> the leap. So, So why do you think that you... So this is one of my favorite parts, is basically why I wanted to talk to you about all of this, is that, like you mentioned, it goes to show... All types of people can change, right? And so, I mean, I remember you with this big. Hair. I mean, you live in Dallas now, but like you don't look Dallas. And back then, your uh-huh, hair, her so hair. Her hair. She used to give actual classes, you guys, on how to tease your her hair because it was like three inches. Uh, yeah, right? And
1: and I literally should have been in the, in the planes with the lions,
0: because it's like a lion's bang. <laughs> yeah, like you and Dolly Parton were soulmates. Yeah, so... so bad. no one told me. Well, you know, you wouldn't have cared, uh, one. But, so you went from being sort of this, um, you know, the big hair and, and the lipstick and the eyeshadow and all that jazz, to sort of then when I remember meeting you years later here in Dallas... Your hair was super long and boho and hippie-ish, right? And you're wearing, like, a tribal, basically like this. Like a, she's wearing, like, a jumper right now. Um, and Yeah, with your hair in a top knot. Um, and, and traveling the world. So what do you think, you know, one, if you had to tell people right now who are considering this or who are listening to it and trying to figure out how you got sort of the balls, let's say, to do all this, were there books that kind of helped you form this worldview? Were there people that you followed that you thought they can do it, so I can do it? Like, what are your influences, or what influences would you recommend people who want to do this wanderlust lifestyle for however long that may be well, for them?
1: To be honest, as much as I love to read now, I didn't have the time to read then so anything I was reading was, you know. yeah.
0: Mortgage-based, but... And you weren't a big reader, as I recall, right? Like, I remember in college, I was always, like, really into reading, and you were experiential, which I love because a lot of people aren't into reading, and you don't have to get lost in vagabonding or, you know... No, it's actually,
1: like, it's a new thing for me that I've enjoyed because I guess now the time permits, and it's nice to...
0: So then, then for people like you, what do you do? What do you recommend to them? What's step one? Well, I think if I really had to go back to the
1: big-haired, you know, (laughs) clown makeup days of, you know... I think it's all of what I, I thought I had to be. And, you know, I did everything I thought I had to do. And then I was like, okay, well, check, check, check. I've done all of this. Here I am now, and I'm still finding that I'm not happy. So at what point do I stop doing everything I think I'm supposed to do and start doing things that I actually want to do?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I guess that just becomes a personal decision that you have to make. I think that we all have to sometimes look at ourselves in the mirror, hold accountability and say, look, if this isn't the life that I want, I'm gonna have to make a decision to make the necessary changes. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It can be small changes, you know, incremental, whatever is feasible at that time with your situation. But if you're not making the changes and you're just bitching about how much you don't like certain things about your life, then you only really have yourself to blame. And I think that's kind of where I like, took like a come to Jesus moment. I'm like, look, I'm not happy. And I started telling my friends, cause I was like, I am becoming like a martyr and I'm bitching about my day to day, you know, jobs and duties and all these things. And I, I was getting sick of hearing myself. And I, was, I told my friends, I'm like, if I complain about this one more time and I'm not doing anything about it, like, tell me to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, because right now the ball is in my court. If I'm not going to change, then I need to accept what my life is right now and, you know, like I said, sorry, shut the fuck up and move forward. But, you know, I wasn't willing to do that. So it was like action had to happen.
0: So you essentially used social proof, right? So you started explaining to your friends as sort of a first step and being honest and authentic about where you were, right? So you weren't that happy. You started telling people about it, and then you started asking them to hold you accountable.
1: Yeah, and I kind of think saying it out loud, as it, hard as that is, it really just kind of puts it out there. And I guess it's that sense of vulnerability. It's like, I'm either, you know, you end up being all talk or nothing, you know, put your money where your mouth is. So for me, like, I'm a big person, like, You know, I started that little blog when I was, like, the Wix blog. I'm just, like, when I quit my job. Because I think writing it out there and putting it out there, like, made it real. So, I guess for me, putting it out there, my friends and family have heard it. They can hold me accountable if I don't. But ultimately, it's myself. Like, I would, I feel a sense of responsibility now where I'm, you know, like, I'm declaring that this is what I'm going to do. And if I don't, then it's on me. And... That sense of failure is not something I was willing to swallow. <laughs> so I think uh, for me that kind of did the trick because I was saying it out loud, and I'm just like, I can't be that
0: person that continues to sound like a broken record. So no, I think that there is something really key there that you're saying because if you think about any of it, it's like you know why do fitness experts? continue to stay in shape. Well, a lot of it is, like, can you imagine, like, you know, P90X guy all of a sudden gains a ton of weight? Like, he, he can't because he has made a stake
1: mm-hmm. and drawn
0: a line in the sand and said, this is what I stand for and this is why I'm going to be healthy. And then there are others that are counselors or, mm-hmm. you know, career professionals. And it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect all the time, but if you're able to say to the world, and that could just be your Instagram account, or it could just mm-hmm. be a Facebook post, or it could just be you talking to your friends. This is what I stand for. Then, one, you've said it to the universe and kind of gotten the ball rolling. Right. And two, you have other people who now you've got some social pressure to say, you know, get after it, right?
1: Yes. And and more so, like, I'm going to do it for myself, but to your point, I probably have some friends that would stick to me <laughs> if I did Oh, not. I know you do. Yeah, you I know, know a small and, little
0: Italian that would give you a yeah, an to...
1: and, and I think that's what I love and appreciate most because that's about caring about those types of people. You know, the people that really want the best for me. They'll be, they'll come back and say, "Look, like you know, we're here to help, hold you accountable." And um, luckily, I was able to push myself, you know, to do all that on my own. But it really has become an important piece for the aftermath because I found myself in several, I guess, ups and downs where that support system has tremendously kicked in. Like, I wouldn't, like, this last year, like, I wouldn't be, like, you know, trying to sound like a, you know, an emotional wreck. But it's, you know, for me being very structured in my life and, you know, having a plan and financial backing and all that stuff to going, you know, on backpacking tour around the world and not knowing what the fuck I want to do with my life, like, all that's very scary. So having the support of friends and family who may not even necessarily agree with the entire thing has just been, like... It's been incredible. Like, that has provided so much support. Without it, I would... I, I don't know, like, how I would have, you know, gone to this point, so... Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I'm big on, um, I think, courage and fears, kind of like a muscle, right? Mm-hmm. So the more that you flex your courage muscle, um, the more fear atrophies. And so if you are able to, one, do things like use social pressure, like I, for instance, when I was finding myself being kind of fear-focused, I Mm -hmm. took like seven days of fear-conquering activities, and I essentially on Instagram every day said that I was going to do X, and one day was like, going to... I was watching that. Right? Yes. And and I
1: I was going to do it as well. Well,
0: you should, because what I found, well, first of all, it doesn't have to be you quit your job and travel the world. No. You flexing your your courage muscle can be one day, I kid you not, I went and um, after work, I went to a retirement home. And for me... Being healthy and young and vibrant mm-hmm. is something that I can't imagine not being yet. You know, I'm still in, in my 20s. I turned 30 in August. And um, the idea of getting older and what you do when when you get older and if, say, you can't walk or talk in the same way, it was horrifying to me. So I went and spent a couple hours in a retirement home with a bunch of strangers, they thought I was crazy at first. But then I got into this conversation with—I kid you not—this woman, who, um, basically, I, being a former journalist, I just started asking her a bunch of questions, and I was like, pretty blunt in a way that you probably wouldn't be surprised. But I, you know, I said, "Well, what happens when you no longer can have what you consider to be your good looks? Like, then, then what do you do?" Well, what happens if your husband passes away? Her husband had passed away. And you can't have sex for 15 years. Because that's how long she had told me she hadn't had that sex for. <laughs> People tell me weird stuff. Yeah. Um, but so so what it's do you do? very easy to open up to you. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. Or you might have given her a couple <laughs> of glasses of wine. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, but And the, the fascinating part that she started telling me was, Cody, uh-huh. the beautiful thing about as you get older is what you mentioned a little bit you start to really know who you are and you you start to realize that there's this bigger picture that isn't about your highlight reel and it isn't about how you look and it isn't even you know purely sexual it's it's like looking at every day like a life well lived and she just said it in this like poignant beautiful way that I thought gosh you know here she is she's in a retirement home they let me chat with her because she was one of the people who hadn't had a visitor in, like, a year or something, right? And she was this, like, beautiful, vibrant soul. Um, even after her husband passed away, even after she hadn't had sex in 15 years. And I thought, how incredible to have probably peace. A at that, probably a great vibrator. Probably a great vibrator. I didn't ask her that. We okay. didn't go that yes. um, But, you know, and so these fear-conquering activities, like, think of how small of a thing that is. How many retirement homes do you drive by? Probably a lot. But to go and stop in one and I brought flowers and I just said, if anyone wants to chat, like I want to give these flowers to somebody who maybe hasn't had a visitor in a while, you know, and the other day, this would be a good one with the election. You want to be horrified? Go and sign up for your opposing political parties calling center. And, and of course all you do it. Of course you would. And all you do is you sit. I sat and I called supporters for X, and won't say what it was, for a candidate that I was voraciously against. And I just tried to listen to why people voted this way. And like, talk about getting over your fear, cold calling somebody at dinner to tell them like, why to vote for somebody you think is a horrendous candidate. But there are all these ways to spend no money, flex your courage muscle. And, like, create these stories that then you get to sit and talk about.
1: But I think that that's, you know, sometimes what I was talking about, like, you get lost in, like, the day-to-day, like, hustle and bustle of your life. It's, like, you don't think about any other, like, opportunities or outside-of-the-box type activities that you can do that would really challenge you to be a better person. Because it's, like, well, shit, like, gotta have a like, dinner. If you have a family, like... Got to get the kids to bed, and then, like, everything is always, like, almost, like, reactionary, and mm-hmm. I feel like we are such a reactionary, like, society where it's very hard to be proactive and, you know, put that forethought out there and, like, things that you want to do to solve for X, Y, and Z of how you're feeling, Um and it's, you know, then it becomes time of, like, if there is, you know, a small, like, window of time available, you want to spend it with your family, your friends, and then everything else becomes secondary and like me and my girlfriends were talking about that with just you know volunteering at the Scottish Rite Children's Hospital and how much um, we actually enjoyed we did an event there and helped you know build or showed the kids how to make dream catchers and it was a very fulfilling fun event and then right why don't we do this more often and it's because you know time is very minimal nowadays and when you do have time available it's you know are you spending with friends or family and then I mean, let's be real, like, we're, you know, 30, and, you know, some of our friends are maybe younger, a little bit older, and we go out to the bars now, and, yeah. you know, we like to have that social time, and, um, it's, it's just sad that a lot of things take a back seat to it, but...
0: Well, I think some of the things, like, the tools that I use to make sure that I don't get stuck in that are reading, so, like, I... In, like, a free Tim Ferriss commercial, but like the four hour work week, like, he talks about going into a Starbucks, which takes no time, right? Like, Mm -hmm. when was the last time you were in Starbucks? Everybody goes there all the time, right? Right? Yesterday. Okay. And here's how you could do a fear conquering activity that takes no time away from your family and no time away from work or anything else. You go into a Starbucks, I've done it, true story, and you just lay on the ground. Just in the middle of the Starbucks, lay on the ground. In 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever you can handle. But uh, <laughs> but imagine right. after you've done that. So if you start your first of all, if you start your morning like this, please Tell me and take a picture at, at C-O-D-I-E underscore Sanchez on on Twitter, at Cody Sanchez. I will send you something fabulous if you send me a picture of you doing this. Um, I'll do it tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, perfect. Please do. Let's start. So so tweet me at, at Cody underscore Sanchez. You know I will. (laughs) A picture. And um, let's name it like hashtag. The struggle at Starbucks. So hashtag the struggle at Starbucks and you will get something awesome from me. <laughs> Is planking still a thing? No. <laughs> but listen, if you start your day with something crazy like that, like how does that frame the rest of your day? Like your boss yells at you. You're like, fuck it. I was on the floor at Starbucks this morning. Like you can't do anything to me. So I think it's like taking these ideas like from you. Maybe you sign up for Yacht Week. Maybe you sit and you start explaining to your friends like why you're not happy with your 9 to 5 and it makes you do something about it. Maybe you go lay on the floor to Starbucks or go do a retirement home. But if you try to do like one thing every day that kind of freaks you out, as minimal as it might be, life changes, right?
1: And one thing I, I would actually encourage um, more women to uh, try a day without makeup.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: Because you made me think about something when you were talking about the woman in the retirement home and how she was very beautiful and vibrant, full of life. And, you know, we joke around about my big hair, you know, those days. And how I went with, like, the standard, you know, what I, in my mind, thought was, like, beautiful. And now I truly feel like a beautiful human being because I'm happy. And I don't have to wear makeup. Yeah. And... I don't do my hair as much, and I think that there's something to be said about how that inside mentality now is matching with the outside. I mean, some may disagree, because I told you that guy like made fun of my hair this morning. But well, a, you know, when, but when I came night. home from traveling, like there was a distinct difference in where, like I guess my facial expressions. I remember my friend Christian was like, um, he's like, you're the same, but you are smiling different. You look different. Like it's there's something like. You know, radiant about just that happiness, and so and there's a
0: depth too. Yeah. Well, plus, if a man ever gives you a hard time about how you look, I think it goes back to kindergarten. Like pull the little girl's ponytail. I mean, I always say that when somebody like is nasty to me and they're a guy, I'm like doesn't matter. doesn't matter. That's when you get to say, like, listen, I left kindergarten a while ago, buddy. Like, if you want to pull my ponytail, this is not the opportunity. <laughs> um, so basically, we're coming up on time here. Um, the last thing that I want to talk about is something that I think is really unique uh, to this day and age that we live in, and that is your Airbnb situation. <laughs> this is amazing, and you need to share it. Right.
1: Just so everyone knows this is a low point for me. <laughs> Why? But, okay. I'll, a low and high point. So I, I will pride myself in the fact that in the year that I've been traveling, my rent has been covered. And luckily I, And how'd you cover it? Talk about um so I mean I basically took I mean every everything when you come down is just things, right? So do standard inventory on my apartment. It's it's things. It's a couch, a table. You know, I'm a, I'm a minimalist anyways. So anything within value to me is going to be my GoPro, my computer, iPad, phone. That's it. Anything that holds, like, my memories. Anything that holds my memories is what, like, I can't replace. So I was like, if anything gets ruined in my apartment, the cost of replacing it would be greater Or excuse me, less than me paying my rent. Yeah. So.
0: So you've essentially, uh for a year, you traveled and had somebody and and got your rent paid for by using an online service, call Correct. it Airbnb, VRBO, whatever the case may be.
1: And I would just like to make note that my lease does not say I'm not able to do so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they will be... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm always a big believer in asking for forgiveness yes. instead of permission. Oh, they know. But they've told me if I were new, I
1: will not be able to do that. So, um, But yeah, so I made that decision and um, I was extremely lucky with my friends being just incredibly supportive so whether you know I got lucky and had a guy and his girlfriend staying my place for like two months and then you know that turned into another couple staying there for a month and then people coming in and out you know every couple weekends and it just ended up you know working out to I mean just about my entire year's worth of rent being covered
0: Which is amazing. And think about that. I mean, that's a service that anybody has access to these days. I have another girlfriend in California that does it. She's actually in tech, crazy successful, makes a ton of money, has a beautiful house with a Tesla hookup in it, and hasn't paid rent since 2014 because she just leaves it up on VRBO, I think. And when people want to rent it out, she goes on vacation. And so, you know, that might be like she rents out a cheaper Airbnb in Mexico or she goes and stays with her, you know, mom for a few days. She actually has a little kid. Um, and so, this like alternative lifestyle is, I think, not as alternative as we think it is.
1: Well, I'll, I'll essentially be homeless in a week because I've decided to Airbnb my place out for the next two months. So, for me, you know, I was in a lease at the time, my job supported that. Um, you know, that amount, and now it doesn't, so I have decided I continue to Airbnb it until I, <clears throat> until I get out of my lease, and I just have to figure out another place to go.
0: Yeah, she literally told me, well, I might be in Iceland in two weeks, <laughs> so how many of your friends <laughs> say that to you? And
1: as sad as this is, I have about five different keys to all my friends' places, so in the event I get a last-minute request for an Airbnb, my friends have made it extremely <laughs> Um, easy for me to show up at their house with my suitcase. and
0: Well, but that's the sharing economy. This is what we all talk about. I mean, there's a great book called Inevitable by Kevin Kelly. If you haven't read it, we'll link that in the show notes. We'll link some notes on how to Airbnb. We'll link Flybirds. Um, and we'll link Christina's blog. But um, essentially, Inevitable by Kevin Kelly is, it talks about the fact that in the future, owning things will not actually be desirable. And it's happening already. I mean, think about the biggest valuation companies. It's Uber, who has billions of cars and doesn't own a single car, right? It's Airbnb is the world's biggest hotel chain without owning a single property.
1: For me, honestly, like, the more I own, the more uncomfortable I get. It makes me feel overwhelmed. Like, for me, less is absolutely more. Like, I,
0: I feel much more at ease with less items. Yeah, I mean we are just talking about a company called Duffel that mm-hmm. Christina told me about that's essentially like I need it because I travel every week for work but mm-hmm. right, they take, you, you send them they send you a duffel of, you know a duffel and you An send them mm-hmm. your business clothes or whatever it is that you want for your trip. Mm-hmm. They take care of getting it to the location, cleaning it picking it up at the end of the trip, cleaning it again and then shipping it to your next location. Correct. Um, All it,
1: items can be interchangeable and it's Kind of a one-stop shop for them to get any travel gear that you need from one spot to another.
0: We'll link Duffel as well. But in the book, Inevitable, and I'll link the excerpt because I thought it was so fascinating. He paints this picture of what it will look like in the future to live in big cities. And how he paints it is that we won't own our houses. We'll live in sort of these pods and as we travel from city to city, the pods will essentially have like instantaneous Amazon Now buttons, right? But maybe it's not Amazon. And so you'll get your food on demand. You'll rent your clothing, you'll rent the furniture, you'll rent it will be this complete sharing economy where we only use what we need when we need it.
1: I have honestly thought long and hard about how much easier traveling would be right now if I could, which Maybe mark my words where playwords will be. You can match up with a counterpart or you know, whoever overseas that fit your size. That you could essentially share your wardrobe. Um, you know, renting cars can be easier. Doing housing swaps. Uh, you know, you do hands across the border when you're in high school and cultural exchange programs, why don't you do that as an adult? Why do we stop doing those types of
0: things? Exactly. Why does the learning stop?
1: Yeah, I would make it so much easier for you to be able to do like a Euro trip. And I had, you know, someone who was, you know, my host in each country that I could share clothes with, that I could, you know, take a tour around town. And so I a hundred percent believe in the sharing economy. I believe that, you know, even in terms of, like, buying extravagant items that you're only going to use once, why do that? Yeah. There's, absolute, there's absolutely no reason for it.
0: So let's close out with this. We're right on time. Your favorite travel apps. Because on Flybirds, you talk about best practices for travel, best ways to travel. We'll link some of those on the podcast. <laughs> but what are, like, the top two or three secrets to travel? Okay. So I love Triposo. Oh, I I don't know this. Traposo
1: is awesome. Plug in where you're going. Um, It'll automatically break down. Like It'll give you a synopsis, uh, country currency, major sightseeing events, or things going on. You can actually, my favorite part about it is, um, I hate doing standardized tours. So if you pick out the major points that you want to see within a um, city... It'll help create a walking or like biking tour for you. Get out, and this is an, an app. An, yes, Tripozo. Tripozo. We'll link that. Um. So I actually would joke around with my girlfriend Gina, who we just did uh, two months in Southeast Asia, and in January and February we did a called it tour de tour de Inas. <laughs>
0: I'm horrified to hear what this
1: yeah. is. Well, my name's Gina. I'm Christina. So, I tour to Inos, Okay, okay. And that's we would fine. make our own biking tours in each city. So, we just had a lot of fun with it. We just got to pick and choose what we wanted to see, biked around, um, and then I find, you know, that there are so many different uh, travel, excuse me, picture apps. So, I really love Snapseed, and I know some people have, like, a different, they have different opinions on, uh, I guess filtering and not filtering, I think it's your picture, your memory, you make it how you want to. I love Snapseed. And for me, I don't like to carry around a lot of bulky equipment. And so I'm able to recreate this image in my mind of how I felt it actually really looked. Um, And then I think WhatsApp is obviously always good. You know, it helps you stay engaged with your family and friends and, um, you know,
0: always staying you know just like in the know it's yeah and if you guys don't know whatsapp which is amazing to me but it i mean is the world's most used text mechanism um just not in the u.s because we have free texting i did not know actually but but everywhere else in the world like in latin america where i work frequently they think i'm nuts that i don't use whatsapp um so yeah and google translate hands down (laughs) is that the best translate app that you found I haven't
1: actually toyed around with too many of them just because for me, it's Google Translate, it's easy. I mean, it's, I, I type in what I want and if I'm at a restaurant, I show it to the waitress. She, you know, will reciprocate with that. So, you know, wherever I am, it's, I mean, it's very user-friendly. So, I haven't really felt the need to explore too many.
0: Um, I'm sure I probably will, but as of right now, Google
1: Translate is my go-to.
0: Okay, last thing. What is the one, like, misconception or the biggest mistake people make in traveling.
1: Uh, the biggest misconception is, you know, the the danger. I guess within the travel community, it's um, ironically enough not the locals that you will run into any um, direct issues with. It's usually other travelers, so traveler on traveler crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think another thing that people underestimate is the ability to be able to have, um, you know, like data and service and, um, different types of accommodations and, um, products or services overseas. So you don't have to go over there with everything that you utilize on your day to day here. Like they're going to have similar products over there. Like, don't be afraid. Um, you know, they're going to be, you know, at least half the price, like, I think one thing I could, if I couldn't stress enough for people who are going to Southeast Asia is that you can get SIM cards that are going to give you data the entire time you're overseas. You don't need to have, like, international travel plans, which are hundreds of dollars. That's huge. Um, you know, I can write down the SIM cards that I've used in Thailand, Vietnam, Myanmar, Laos, and, you know, they're 10 to $15 and it gives you data or, you know weeks.
0: Oh yeah, that's brilliant.
1: Um, so obviously iPhone, iPhone, all you use is data. You don't have to have like minutes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that as like time and money savers that I think people just assume isn't available, but it really is.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the most valuable travel advice that I ever got was the first time I backpacked around Europe, and it was don't ever check a bag. Which sounds so simple, but mm-hmm. like just don't. There's no need. Pretty much anywhere you're going to go, it's cheaper. You can buy what you need, and you're going to survive without it. And your bag will always get lost when you don't want it to get lost if you check it. So I make that pretty much my staple. You'll never find me, like if you've seen the movie, Up in the Air. Like, no pillows, no big giant rolling suitcases. Like, minimalism is super key. And totally feasible.
1: Well. I still haven't gotten to that point. Really?
0: Do you check a bag? I do. For a year? Get out of town.
1: The funny thing is when I left for Bali, I I did have a a hard top rolling suitcase because I didn't know I was going on a backpacking excursion and then I was quickly made fun of because I was like, I just got a one-way take to Bali. Like, what are you talking about? And then I ended up (laughs) turning into like this Mm G.I. Jane with, you know, so I got, I kicked the hard case, but um, I think now I might... My backpack is a 40 liter, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I still check it, but...
0: We'll link the backpack, too, that she uses, and we won't link the rolling no, suitcase, just, but, but rolling. if you have a picture of it, oh, yeah. I will definitely take that. I do have the before
1: and after of, like, how I started and how it ended, but, um, yeah, I mean, even if I lost it, I probably wouldn't give two shits, because everything I have, I probably could using my carry-on as well. I love so. it.
0: Okay, well, again, you can find Christina actually at at Flybird, that's B-U-R-D, so at Flybird 365, uh, numbered out like 365 days in a year, I'm assuming. Uh, pretty clever. <laughs> I am in finance. Um, so you can find her uh, on Instagram uh, at that location, on Twitter as well. Um, and then maybe what do you want to close out with or what do you want to leave everybody with? today, Christina. Oh, I know. wasn't really
1: prepared for that.
0: Come on, lock it up.
1: Lock it up. I guess one thing, you know, this is my first time doing this, so it's, it's actually a pretty cool experience. I guess it's surreal that I'm sitting in front of one of my, you know, college friends that I never thought we'd reconnect like this, but it's kind of awesome and weird, crazy and fun how life will give you some turning points and put you in the direction and with people that you never thought would re enter your life again. And I think it's important to kind of take a look at your life and realize that changes can be made and they don't have to be as drastic as mine. Um, But ultimately you do have the power to make your life what you want it. And it's not again about, you know, an overnight change, but putting the right, you know, steps in place and, um, surrounding yourself with the right type of people. And, you know, like I said, Cody and I, I never thought we'd live in the same city. and We hadn't talked, you know, in years prior to this. But it's really amazing to reconnect with people on common ground and finding happiness and building life of purpose with people who actually will supplement that and encourage it. So, you know. A little bit. You know, and if all else fails, just go do Yacht Week. <laughs> 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 and then maybe you really end up quitting your job. But, um no, I think it's um, it's you know your path and your your right to choose what life you want to build for yourself and recreate at any age or any time any stage.
0: All right, my friends. Well, we're gonna link all of this today. She's got some great travel advice and great apps, and then obviously check her out at at Flybird365.